This is the Sensitive Rebel Podcast, and I'm your host, Steve McCready. Join me for conversations with people who see possibilities that compel them to go against the status quo, but who sometimes struggle to do so because of the noise and norms of the world. I call them Sensitive Rebels, and we'll discuss the challenges, successes, and lessons from their journeys as they keep moving forward in their quest to make a difference in the world. Hey, Sensitive Rebel, it's Steve. This is going to be the first Just Me episode of of the show. We'll see how this goes. I'm still thinking about how I want to have this part of the podcast be. To that end, I certainly welcome thoughts, feedback, ideas, suggestions, etc., from all of you. So whatever um, you feel like would make it interesting or valuable is definitely something I'm interested in. It's not just about <laughs> just talking for however however long about whatever. It's uh, wanting to make sure I'm giving you something that's valuable and useful. So uh, feel free to send me a quick email, uh, steve at sensitiverebel.com, and let me know uh, your thoughts and what you would find valuable, as well as if there's questions that you have, you can always send those my way. I do have a few different things that I want to touch on that have been on my mind lately, some things I've been seeing with clients and in the world in general that I think would be of some interest to you. So that's probably where I'm going to end up going. One of the things that is increasingly clear to me, and uh, Brene Brown talked about this in one of her recent podcast episodes, is just how much we're all in this kind of awkward space now. Um, in, in whatever, wherever we are, I don't, I'm not going to call it post COVID. I don't know (laughs) what the actual categorization would be, but as we've had this period of a couple of years of being disconnected and isolated and being at home, and now we're starting to get to a place where more and more people are going out and about where, uh, you know, in-person events are happening again, where, um, masks are not something that everyone's wearing all the time. Some things have changed, and I think for all of us, we've gotten to where we're used to just kind of being more passive and being at home and not doing things. And what people are starting to discover, I find, is that we have let go of a lot of different things without even realizing it. Um, Just various little subtle habits, behaviors, routines that we used to have that had to go away or we chose to, to let go of um, and now have kind of almost forgotten about, but are things that it turns out were somewhat important or valuable. And, and so there's a loss there that we're experiencing. Uh, I have a client I was talking to about this where they realized that with their partner, it's been a thing they're like yeah it's like something's missing and it's not really clear what it is and they they realize they're like oh they they used to regularly take just little short day trips even or short weekend trips on the weekends to places now and then and they stopped doing that um during covid and had again almost forgotten that that's something that they used to do and really i think had not recognized how valuable that was for them one, just to get some new, you know, new adventure, get to see some different places, to get to spend some time together, uh, to just have some different experience. Because that sameness that we get when we're at home all the time, like we've been so much for the last couple of years, 
really makes it all blur together um, and it doesn't necessarily serve us from the standpoint of keeping our brains engaged and interesting, giving us valuable shared experiences with our partners and friends and family and loved ones. And so there's a very real, real cost there. So I think we do need to, um, in ways that feel reasonably appropriate and safe to us, be getting out and re-engaging in the world. And, and this is, I think, maybe the most important part, we need to be allowing it to be uncomfortable, weird, and awkward, um, and be not, not get caught up in the idea of what's wrong with me. This should be easier than it is. I used to do this all the time. This is one of those places where we can lapse into that whole should thing as if it will help us magically get better. It's this whole uh, thing we really get trapped into the idea that if we beat ourselves up, we'll get like our shit together and do better. And uh, that's not how it works. That's just not how it works. If you beat yourself up, you'll just feel bad about yourself or get lost in shame or start hiding things even from yourself or whatever, you'll also feel less uh, capable, less powerful, and it's not going to actually help you to do much of anything. But we've had that sort of behavior modeled and shown to us in movies and various places, and there's a lot of other reasons that comes up. But the key thing is this. Ask yourself, like you can look at it in your own experience if you want. Has, has being self-critical ever really helped you? We might wish it was easier. We might be confused about the fact that like this is really awkward because it doesn't seem like something that used to be really comfortable and normal now seems awkward. But if you actually understand how the brain works, you would know that it's not weird at all because the brain is a very flexible, adaptable thing. And what has happened is it's adapted and it's got a new normal. And that new normal is not necessarily a very good, healthy, functional normal. It was adaptive to the situation. Now the situation is changing again, and so now it's time for us to work on changing again. And the more we allow ourselves to, one, be where we are, and two, be mindful of where we'd like to be and not get caught up in a bunch of self-criticism and judgment, the easier it's going to be for us to take action that's going to help us move from point A to point B. So we all, I think, would do well to give ourselves and each other some grace as we go forward and try and sort all of this stuff out and expect it to be a little weird, clumsy, awkward, confusing, and to be a little surprised by the fact that it is. In time, we will find new routines and patterns, new ways of being, and they will become more comfortable and familiar to us. But it is going to take some time, and it's only a big deal if you make it one. It doesn't have to be. So be really, really careful about the story that you tell yourself. We are living in what is, to put it mildly, a challenging time. It's challenging for everyone, right? There's so much noise and chaos and difficulty, so many different challenges. I, I don't even want to start a list because I'm going to end up leaving half of the things off, if not more. And people are going to think I was downplaying something or ignoring it. And it's just, you, you're living in the world today. You know all the stuff that's out there. One of the things I hear from a lot of my clients is how overwhelmed they feel by all of it, how they feel hopeless at times and they just don't even know what to do or you know how to deal. There's a part of them that wants to kind of check out 
and a part of them that recognizes that doesn't help or do anything, but I think they don't know just what to do and, and how to deal. And so I wanted to take some time and talk about just coping as a general idea and strategy and uh, the different ways that we can navigate this and a few ideas for how to do so. We can look at this at some level as a fairly straightforward equation, an energy equation of sorts. If the current stressors or challenges that we're experiencing are more depleting than what we have the capacity to manage, we get overwhelmed, we get drained. That can lead to depression, anger, isolation, any number of problems or challenges. So it's really about how do we keep that equation in some degree of balance so we effectively don't run out of energy, right? And there are three basic ways that we can address this. One, we can work on managing the input as far as the things that are draining us. Another one is we can look at how do we increase our capacity? How do we increase our resilience? How do we make us more capable of dealing with the various challenges, stressors, and things that we're seeing, experiencing, and being exposed to? And then the last one is what I'm going to call processing, which is how do we take this input that we're getting and make use of it do something instructive with it so we're able to release it and kind of get it out of the system so it's no longer weighing us down. So those are the three basic things. And I'm going to talk a little bit about each of them and some ideas for how you might uh, manage or work in any of those areas. So first, let's talk about managing input. And what I mean there is really it comes down to boundaries. This is boundary work, and that can take a number of different forms. It's both boundaries in the types of conversations we have with people and the number of conversations we have. That's one space. Another is boundaries about what we expose ourselves to, what we read, what we look at, what uh, sites online we go to, those sorts of things. And that is really, really important. We live in a world where there's endless, infinite information, essentially, right? I remember, this is such a long time ago now, but when I once went to a bookstore wanting to learn more about the internet, so this is probably circa about 1994 or five, and so I go to the bookstore and I look you know, for their books on the internet and there were like 10 books, Right. So one literally could read you know, all the books that there are on the internet pretty easily. And nowadays, of course, any topic, there's it seems like an infinite number of books and there's an infinite number of inf amount of information. And it's the same thing with current events. If you want to go find out what's happening in Ukraine, well, there's you could probably spend the rest of your day reading about it as an example. And so we can't use the, well, I've read everything as any kind of a boundary or any kind of an idea there, because that just doesn't actually work. That isn't a thing. We have to instead figure out some other sort of limitation. Now, there's a few things that you can use to help you. One, pay attention to your mood, your feelings, your physiology as you're taking in this information. And once you get past a certain point of distress or tiredness, it's okay to stop. It's okay to say, that's enough. I'm tired. The same way you would if you were doing something physical and you felt physically tired, like you physically needed to stop, right? Same thing. That's okay. That's one way you can do it. Another thing you can do is just set a limit on the amount of time that you spend 
asking because you could spend as much time as you choose to. But the reality is if you set a limit, you're likely to be more focused, more thoughtful in what information you seek out and how you go about consuming it. So setting a time limit can be a very useful way of managing that. And then relatedly, you can always ask yourself this question. Would knowing more help me? Or how would knowing more help me? And if you don't have a good answer to that, maybe there's not a reason to go find out more, especially once you look at the question of what is it going to cost me to go gather more information, to read more, to learn more? Because there's a cost. At a certain point, it stops being a good deal for you. And that's really the point at which you want to stop. Next, let's talk about increasing your capacity or your resilience. And this is where we really work on what we do to help ourselves be in effectively a position where we can handle a greater degree of input, a greater level of stress, a greater number of challenges. And there are really a couple of basic areas that this can be um, split into. One of them is really, I'll say basic, straightforward, physical self-care self and well-being. If you are getting enough sleep, if you are getting some regular exercise, if you are mindful of how you're eating, that's all really, really important. When you aren't doing that, it affects your energy, it affects your emotions, it affects your mood, and it's really going to impact your ability to deal with any of the challenges that might come up for you along the way. So that's one. The other one relates to working more in the mental and emotional space. And that's where we want to really work with ourselves and our thoughts, I guess we'll call it. Um, the most common example we'd see here is this is where meditation, mindfulness work and such can be so powerful because it really helps for us to take this space that exists between input, something that we see, hear, experience, whatnot, and then the uh, response that we develop. And that response can be both internal and external. In that space, there's a little gap there. And in that gap, there's really a lot of power. That's where we get to decide how we're going to see a certain thing, how we're going to look at it, what's the story effectively we're going to create. I don't mean story in a false sort of way. I mean story in a way that's a little bit of a mix, right, of truth and our own uh, perspective or sometimes, yes, our own distortions or other things. The more that we are able to use that space and be able to work with it consciously and to really also train ourselves or practice where we're telling constructive stories, I'll say, the better, where we're able to see things in a light that is, yes, accurate, but also constructive because there's always more than one way you can look at something and finding a way to look at it that serves you while still also being connected with reality, let's say, is really powerful. And that is something that happens as a byproduct of meditation and other work like that, because it just really gives us a greater connection to that space in our process is the way I would put it. It's not the most precise description ever, uh, to be clear, but the key is really, it's just another way we can strengthen ourselves. So that's a thing that you can do. Certainly the mindfulness and meditation, any sort of perspective taking exercises can be powerful. Here's one of the reasons people have gratitude practices, uh, where trying to find and make sure they're thinking about things they're grateful for and appreciative of. 
our brains are wired to find the negatives, to find the problems, to find the threats. That happens automatically. We don't have to work on it. The positives, not so much. And so finding the rest of the picture can help us to see things in a more accurate way, a more balanced way. And that can really help offset some of the impact of difficult situations, difficult times, difficult circumstances. And so that's one way we can do it with a gratitude practice. Another one is a simple perspective taking practice. And what I mean by that is learning to see the perspective that you're taking kind of automatically, right? Just as an example, let's say somebody cuts you off in the freeway and what's your internal reaction? You know, that selfish jerk, who do they think they are? Well, perspective taking would say, well, what is another possible explanation for their behavior? We don't know the truth, of course, until we like talk to the person, we have no way of knowing, but what's another possible explanation? And maybe the explanation is, well, his wife's lying down in the back seat in labor and he's trying to get her to the hospital before she gives birth. And he's a little distracted right now. Very much changes, right? So that perspective really changes how you feel about it. And so that's another way of being able to help just give us again, more space when we're getting these fairly intense emotional and stressful emotional inputs to be able to take them, process them, and engage with them in a way that isn't quite so distressing. So those are some practices that you can do to help with the capacity and the resilience piece. Now, the last thing I want to talk about here is about processing, I'm going to call it. And again, what I really mean is finding a way to take the, the energy, the feelings, the experiences, the things that we sort of take on and are carrying that can get so heavy and challenging for us and finding a way to turn them into something else, to gain a different understanding of them, to transform them in a sense and have them be something that as such doesn't continue to have the same sort of weight and uh, difficulty that it may have had. What do I mean with some examples of this? Well, here is where I am a huge fan of the power of creative expression. And when I say creative expression, that could take any number of forms. It could be something as simple as journaling, giving yourself space to just download and you know, write what's what's going through your head and what's there and kind of find language for it, which is actually a really powerful coping tool for us. It could be taking it and using it to inspire a story of some kind or some something of that sort. That would be another way of, of processing. And then there's ways of taking and working with this that are less literal. And the two things I'm thinking of specifically are art and music. And again, it could take any number of forms. It doesn't really so much matter. I'm not saying write a song about the thing you're feeling. I mean, if you wanted to do that, that's fine. I'm more saying there's something about the creation of music or the creation of art that our brains seem to use it as a space to work with and work through and process some of the noise in our head, some of the stuff in our head that maybe we don't fully understand or is stuck there or that we're struggling with. And this is a really powerful thing that's hard to quantify, 
but you will find people who've done it and who will tell you how much it's helped for them. I've had some experience with that myself. Uh, again, you can hear about that in uh, my episode with, with Laura, where I think I, I shared about my uh, early experience with painting and how helpful it was for me uh, when I was recovering from depression. And I've certainly continued to see it both in art and today's it's these days it's more music for me where if I have a difficult day or some difficult sessions and I'm feeling a little weighed down, pulling one of my guitars off the wall and just kind of jamming away for 10 or 15 minutes does a lot. And I couldn't tell you what's going on. All I can tell you is there's something there that feels like I'm releasing some of what's happening, letting it go, and then able to get back to business and go about doing my work and my day. And one of the things that I have gotten, frankly, really spoiled about working from home during COVID is having all my music gear right here so I can plan actually to take a break in the middle of the day to go do some music and then go back to my day. And I found it's a really nice sort of self-care break. So really anything like that, that gives us a space where we can express and create that is not directly a response to what we're experiencing, right? So having a conversation with somebody or taking some action directly around the thing that is bothering or upsetting or concerning to us is really what I'm talking about. Another example of how this shows up with kids, it turns out that a primary way that children manage their own distress and anxiety is through play. They work out a lot of their stuff through play. And this is one, there's a lot of reasons why I'm concerned about recesses being cut back. But one of them is this kids need that space to process, to sort things out, to play it out. Literally it's a very subconscious process, but we've seen it to be true. And I think it's the same thing for us with doing things like art, music, etc. So I can't stress enough how valuable I think that is. I've seen it with clients who've decided to take it on. I've certainly seen it a lot myself and that's part of why I'm such an advocate for it. And so I think when things are difficult or challenging or scary, it is a way that you can make, not really so much make sense of it, but at least take it and transform it into something to create some beauty, to create some unconscious sort of sense of understanding or something in there. It's a really powerful thing is really what it comes down to. I'm getting a bit rambly here, but it's just powerful and I encourage you to check it out and to try it. I'm going to leave it there for this episode and uh, we'll see how it goes. And let me know. I'm also interested in, in your thoughts about these host on mic, as we call them in the podcast world episodes and uh, what you feel about them. And uh, we'll see how they evolve as I continue to do them. So uh, that's it until next time. And until I talk to you again, as always, keep moving forward. That's it for this episode of the Sensitive Rebel Podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can get show notes, information about my coaching services, or just send me a note at sensitiverebel.com. Until next time, keep moving forward.